When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. a very very special edition of the Spurs show as long term listeners will know uh, especially in close season when there's no actual football we love to talk to Tottenham legends and today we're talking to the grandson of without doubt the first Spurs legend of all time the man that is well without this man there would be no Tottenham Hotspur simple as that the the Spurs founder first captain uh, Bobby Buckle. I'm delighted to be joined by his grandson, Michael Mackman. How are you, Michael? I'm very well, thank you, Mike, and oh. thank you very much for having me on. Uh, an absolute pleasure. I know. I think you and some some of your cohorts came on a while back. I know that was during the uh, blue plaque uh, campaign that you you were part of uh, for your grandfather a while back to get that on the old family house. What happened with that campaign in the end? Right, the campaign is still running. Um, right. And um, one of the good things that has happened since I think we came on the show last time mm-hmm. is that by various flukes, the exterior of Bobby Buckle's house on White Hart Lane has been renovated as part of the Tottenham Regeneration Programme. Oh, okay, wonderful. But so the uh, the house that he grew up in and from which he ran Spurs in the very early days mm. is now looking bright and cheerful and nearly as good as that vast stadium which appears to have been yes. built in his back garden. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and what happens? I mean, how does it work with the blue plaque? Is it? Are you working with the council or is it English Heritage? What's the organisation you have to go through? Um, well, it's, uh, we're uh, going to apply for the English Heritage Blue Plaque. Um, yeah. There's quite a lot of hoops to go through. And as you gradually tick off the list and think mm. we're nearly there, we're nearly there, all of a sudden something else comes up. And one of the things which cropped up about two years ago was that they won't consider any blue plaque for anybody who hasn't had a proper biography published. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we sat um, looking at each other across the table at the Spur <laughs> restaurant on the high road and said, looks like we've got to produce a biography then. Wow. And you have, and it's a beautiful thing. The authorised biography 
of Bobby Buckle, Spurs fan and first captain, forward from Mr. Tottenham himself, Steve Perriman, yeah. written by Christopher South, who I believe has links to all, all the sort of Tottenham grammar school boys and, and everything as well, which is nice. Well, I mean, my first question was, why now has it been written? But you've already answered that, the reason why it's been written. Yes, I mean, it's a great story. Yeah. I think that that was uh, certainly the uh, initial impetus for it. But all of us thought, and just about anybody that we have spoken to about it since, has said it's a story that's worth telling. Oh, God, yes. And it has never been told properly before. Mm. He's yes, mentioned in all the official histories. Um, but it seems to be almost a, a passing reference. Yeah. Um, you get the meeting under the lamppost, and mm-hmm. then you almost leap forward to 1901. Correct. And, of course, that was the period in which the club became really the club that it is today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, a fascinating story. Just, I mean, again, for... for for, for those aliens out there or, or younger listeners, I'll give you a, a bit of background about uh, Bobby, your, your grandfather. Born October the 17th, 1868, passed away in April 1959. How old were you when he passed away? Presumably you, you, you remember him quite well. Yes, I do. I was 10 when he died. Right. Um, and I have very clear memories of visiting him with my mother Um and uh, as quite young, probably five or six years old, I can remember sitting on the floor um, by his chair whilst he and my mother, uh, his daughter, um, talked about Spurs. Oh, lovely. And uh, uh, as a five or six-year-old, you're sitting there and you're listening to all sorts of things and you haven't really got a clue what's going on. And I can clearly remember sitting and listening and trying to get my tongue round the name Duke Women. Mm. <laughs> um, they were talking about Len Duke Women, and I yeah. hadn't got a clue what it was. Later on, um, probably when I was sort of seven or eight and still hadn't got a firm grasp of grammar, um, I was convinced I was going to play for Spurs because my mother um, did keep reinforcing the fact that her father played for Spurs, Mm. and I assumed that he still played. And I used to look at him and think, well, if you can play at age 85 or whatever, I reckon I can run faster than you at the moment. I'm a dead cert for the team. Well, I mean, I saw Jason Dizel play, so uh, (laughs) I I think that's not much of a stretch to think he could have played in his 80s. I mean, I, I mean... The, the, what I love about the book is, 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 as you said, it's the stuff we don't know. It, it's the before Tottenham. It's the after, It's the, the stuff, uh, the, the beginning, as you said, before that incredible cut win in 1901. I mean, the the the, 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 the other, if you love it, there's, there's a few other people within the book who are extremely important, uh, not only to your grandfather, but to Tottenham and, and the club. The first one who, again, you could argue without this, this man, nothing would have happened, was obviously Joseph Pedley. Uh, for those who don't know, Joseph Pedley was a city lawyer who uh, moved to Tottenham and employed your grandfather, uh, sorry, your great-grandfather as a coachman 
Um, and probably, although we don't know for sure, possibly paid for your grandfather to then go to Tottenham Grammar School. Yes, I think um, that is highly likely. Um, uh, it's worth recalling that uh, Pedley was a governor at the grammar school, so he may right. have had a little bit of influence there. Yeah. Um, I do wonder whether Bobby ever sat on the outside of the coach with his father on the journey to and from the City of London to fetch and carry Pedley. Mm -hmm. And that's how Pedley got to know young Bobby Buckle Um, and clearly took him under his wing. Um, Yes, he certainly uh, had an influence, I think, in getting into the grammar school and uh, getting him the education which set him on his way. I mean, Pedley was, you know, a, it has to be said, also a really big local benefactor. Uh, just people, because I think some of the buildings is still standing, uh, what he effectively sunk his money into. Yes, I mean, um, most notable and um, key in uh, Spurs history, of course, is the Red House. Um, mm. He built that as a, an alternative to people going to pubs. Mm. Um and um, uh, people will see in the in the book uh, that although that might have been quite a good idea, um, a lot of Spurs meetings did finish up being held in pubs around the district. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, the, I mean, the, other, the other thing which Pedley um, funded was the dispensary. Yes. Which, of course, now sits in the Spurs shop. It does. It fits in the Spurs shop, and there's a, an homage to it. I think it's the dispensary bar in, uh, I still call it the West Stand Upper uh, at, at, at Tottenham as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then sort of obviously the age of 13, it's it's the stuff of legend. Uh, the Obviously the original lamppost not there, but we again, we think it's on the, on the high street near the corner with Church Road. And Again, you mentioned at the top of the show there, this bit is mentioned in so many books. But, I mean, you know, you 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 know, what I love about the book is that, you know, you've got straight from the horse's mouth, Bobby Buck was saying, yes, it's true. Yes, I was there. These are the people I was with um, when they were obviously, at the time, all members of the Hotspur Cricket Club. Yes. Um, and I think clearly looking for something to fill their time during the winter. Mm. Um, and uh, the idea of uh, playing football was clearly uppermost in their mind, it is at least likely that they had been playing football on the marshes yeah, and had walked up Park Lane um, and um, paused at the junction with the high road uh, before they dispersed to their various houses um, and thought, well, we've just had quite a nice time out on the marshes. Why don't we organize ourselves? Mm. And it's, um, it's, it's quite amazing to think that the idea that was put forward amongst that group, um, and clearly led by Bobby to form a football club Mm. is still in existence today. Absolutely. I know. No, and it, it is incredible. I mean, it really is. It, I mean, if you think back to what you were doing when you were 13 yeah. and uh, anything that you did then which has had any significant lasting effect, um, 
it, it is absolutely amazing. I was having my bar mitzvah at 13. That's the only thing I can remember at 13. <laughs> so my only memory of being 13, really. Uh, I mean, also, the other great thing, you mentioned Tottenham Marshes and, and whatever. Uh, he is also the first known goal scorer for Tottenham yes. Hotspur in 1883. Obviously, very early on, there was no records uh, at all. But the first records points to he was the first goal scorer for Tottenham. Yes, um, he was a fleet-footed left winger uh, and sometimes uh, centre-forward. Um, interestingly, they sometimes played with two centre-forwards, which was quite outrageous in those days, I suspect. Mm. Um, but no, he, he was a goal scorer. And that's another memory I have of sitting and listening to him talking to my mother, um, Obviously, Spurs were not doing particularly well, 56, 57. Um, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with them now. Uh, when I used to play, I used to run down the wing and pop the ball over and somebody would pop it in the net. Mm. And I used to think, <laughs> yeah, it's a piece of cake, this game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Also, again, he mentioned the book, especially early on, he used to play with his, wearing his glasses. Oh, yes. He was very short-sighted. Um, and um, uh, my uncle told me about him playing at Millwall mm. where the crowd were urging Millwall players to kick the little guy with glasses over the fence. God, nothing's changed then at Millwall, has it, over the years? Um, it does have a <laughs> ring a certain bell in the memory, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we 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 must um, uh, mustn't do Millwall down too much. Uh, they ought to be very grateful to um, to Bobby, um, because of course Spurs invested in Millwall shares at one point. That's right. That's also in the book. Yeah. I mean, the other thing. Uh... Again, a little bit later, on 18, 1886, Bobby again proposed the the colours, uh, the, the the white and blue that we know so well today as well, didn't he? Yes, um, uh, that that's recorded in the minute book, um, which uh, we were given access to, which is absolutely brilliant, yeah. um, and it, it is detailed there. He he's proposing white and blue. The other interesting thing is that um, he. I think, um, proposed the first ever uh, cup, uh, specific cup shirts to be worn for cup ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, they they are almost matter of course now, aren't they? Everybody has yeah. a uh, particular design of shirt for a cup run or a cup final. Mm. Um, but there he was in 1883 saying instead of just our ordinary shirts, we're going to have a big mm. uh, Victoria Cross on the, on the chest. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's amazing, I mean, how uh, involved uh, he, he was He was getting. You know, of course, at the same time, he was our secretary, treasurer. Uh, and then you mentioned Tottenham Marshes. We, we then obviously moved, I think it was 1888, to Northumberland Park. Uh, it was around this time, I think, that he met his future wife, Ethel. Yes. Um, who, 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 again, this is just a wonderful bit of uh, history, uh, kept the first scrapbook of newspaper cuttings, which I believe is still in the family. Uh, yes, um, they, it's in my possession. Is it really? Oh, it my is. God. G- that must be me. incredible. When, when, did you, when, when were they passed on to 
You... Well, um, in 1957, there was the well, Julian Holland history yes. published. Yes. And I can remember reading that. And the scrapbook is mentioned in there. Ah. And my older brother and I went and visited uh, uh, Grandma, um, uh, Bobby's wife. Um, it was after Bobby had died. And um, we were sitting there. And I can remember saying to her, have you still got the scrapbook? And she knew exactly where it was, trotted off, found it. And my brother and I sat at the, her dining room table reading it cover to cover, completely fascinated by it. And when we got up to leave uh, to say goodbye, she said, oh, you can take that with you if you like. Wow. And, uh, wow. Uh, and I was horrified. I can remember thinking, no, no, no. No, this is awful. That's it's not why I asked. Of <laughs> Look at it. Were you scared of losing it on the way home or something? Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. But when we got yeah. home, got an absolute rocket from my mother uh, for, for bringing it home. And she well, actually, she didn't give it to you. It wasn't like, you, you, you know. She, 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 she gave actually it to toned you. <laughs> her mother up and said, they've come home with a scrapbook. Is that right? Uh, um, <laughs> and, of course, it, it is much treasured now. But the, the, the fascinating thing about those cartoons, and this is, these were from newspapers, obviously before there was photography that mm. could be used in uh, newspapers, and to relieve the column inches, um, they had cartoonists drawing pictures yeah. which appeared in there, and the cartoons show uh, or illustrate the football matches that were going on at the time, and the cartoonists... Um, adopted different guises for different teams. So you get a picture of Reading um, being uh, depicted as a biscuit, Millwall, of course, as a lion. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when the cockerel was first used to represent Spurs. That's right, cockerel doodle do and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And obviously yeah. from that, if you look at early Tottenham uh, Football programs as well. Uh, they're all illustrated as well, much in the same kind of way. What an incredible scrapbook uh, to, to have and to, you know, hopefully, you know, remain in, in the family. Yes. That's in, incredible. Going back to, we mentioned Northumberland Park. I mean, we were getting, I mean, this is extraordinary for Northumberland Park. And we did a show, we did a show a few weeks ago um, about, the history of the North London derby. And we mentioned uh, one of the games, I think it's mentioned in this book as well, when the refreshment stand collapses during a, a game against the <laughs> Arsenal. I mean, Northumberland Park, I mean, initially, um, the, 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 you know, Bobby probably himself was putting out trestle tables around the pitch to stop people getting on and off. But, yeah. but this, by this sort of year, there was like 30,000 people watching us in a park. It's incredible numbers. Yes, um... And uh, before they had stands and um, uh, any formal um, crowd management system, just a plain pitch, they had three or 4,000 people standing round a pitch watching them. <laughs> and and uh, it, 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 it absolutely does my head in to think, mm. how, did, how did they control the crowds? Yeah, how did they get um, the ball back? Yeah. Um, yeah. And how did the people at the back see what was going on? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I remember, you know, you hear about my relatives going to Spurs in the 1920s and, you you know, you take the, the, I don't know, the orange box with you yeah. uh, so kids could see. But you couldn't do that with that amount of people in a park, I wouldn't have thought. Incredible. <laughs> and, yeah, people turned up week after week to watch them and they must have been playing good football in order to attract those sorts of crowds. Mm. I mean, and also to mention, uh, probably around this time, and we go back to the influence of Joseph Pedley. Pedley gave your grandfather a job. Uh, Pedley was a part of a solicitor's firm, Pedley, May and Fletcher. Uh, and your grandfather got his first job as a solicitor's clerk. And he remained in that in that business pretty much all his life, working even in his 70s, didn't he? Yes, um, we... Uh, we haven't been able to actually track down when he stopped working, but um, my sister is pretty sure that he was still working at least part-time when he mm. was 80 years old. Wow. Um, Incredible. And commuting backwards and forwards on the tube. Wow. Yes. It's amazing. And then 1895, and again, you mentioned the club now and the stadium now. What I love about these early days, there's so many echoes to what then happened. For example, 1895, Bobby has this idea of turning pro. We need money to pay the players. So he sets up a limited company selling shares to fans in the local area, which, yeah. you know, you cut back, you cut forward to, eight, I think it was 1982, when Tottenham became a PLC uh, and, and did much the same thing. I mean, what, what's quite sad though about the book at this stage is that the lack of local people that then invested in their local club. Yes. Um, uh, I, I find that quite interesting, but perhaps it, it does reflect the lack of spare cash that there was yeah. around at that time. Um, the people that did buy it were probably... Um, uh, comparatively well off. Uh, I, I, I can't remember now the the amount that you had to put up, but I think it might have mm. been ten pounds. Um, yeah. You know, uh, imagine going home and saying to your wife, "Oh, I think I'm going to go and spend ten quid on buying some shares." Um, and yes, how, how how many meals are we going to get out of that? Yeah. Well, not very many. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, let, let's, um, for those of you at home, let's have a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss, again, another historic part of the book, the historic move to uh, White Hart Lane. Back after the short break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Now, obviously, there's a bit in the, uh, in the wonderful, wonderful book 
uh, Bobby Buckle, the authorised biography. Um, there's obviously the move to uh, what for many years was our original ground. Um, and obviously, I think George Beckwith was, was the original landlord. But Charrington's, the, the brewery, owned the White, Hi- White Hart pub on White Hart Lane. And they had this farmland behind. And it looked uh, nailed on. They were going to build sort of affordable housing on that farmland until Bobby and the then chairman, Charles Roberts, in 1898, heard about the scheme and got straight down there and convinced them to sell it to the football club. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, I said earlier about him being a fleet-footed left winger. Um, yeah. He was fleet-footed in other ways too. Um, mm. And his reaction and response to hearing that that land was available, uh, he moved very, very quickly. And mm. I think it was probably the following day that he and Roberts were knocking on the door at Charrington's and saying, you don't want to build houses there, you'll make more out of it uh, by having a football ground uh, and selling a lot of beer in the pub. Mm. I mean, I mean, presumably your grandfather knew that farmland very, very well, wouldn't he? Oh, yes. I mean, it was literally across the road mm. from him. Um, yeah. Don't forget that the White Hart pub is not on White Hart Lane. Oh, OK. And uh, I believe, we believe, uh, the, the uh, teams that have put this book together believe that the reason that Spurs Ground became known as White Hart Lane is because that was the original postal address used for the club. Right, I see, which was your grandfather's address. Yes, so wow. uh, in, in the book you've got uh, examples of the letterhead that he had yes. produced, which said Tottenham Hotspur, White Hart Lane. Um, yeah. And I think it was established then and stuck. Mm. And of course, visiting teams would probably have caught the train to White Hart Lane Station. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. had a bit of a walk. But, but no, he and Roberts went down there. They obviously um, pitched the idea very, very well. That suggests that Bobby was quite a strong persuader, speaker. Um, and Charrington's went away and thought about it briefly, came back and said, OK, yes, you can have that as a football ground. We'll give you the lease on it. Mm. Uh, but, 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 but you are going to have to guarantee a minimum number of people attending each match. Yeah. Now, uh, these days, your heart might sink, but they then said that they wanted at least 1,000 people going. Yeah. Uh, they already had uh, uh, probably 10 times that going to Northumberland Park. Um, mm. So it, it was a done deal. So that, that was a, an agreement to lease the land. And he was then, I think, instrumental in uh, negotiating the purchase of the land outright. Mm. I mean, it was it was uh, I bet it was a hundred pound a year rent. Uh, the first game was a friendly against Notts County. Uh, Tottenham won four one, and at the friendly there was five thousand fans. So even at a friendly, they're well over the a uh, thousand fans. Um, then we go on to kind of. Well, kind of absolutely why for a while Bobby certainly fell out of love of the club that he had founded, co-founded, um, when um, 
there was another character around Tottenham, probably around the same time, who certainly gave financially to help the fledgling club by the name of John Oliver. Yep. And your grandfather uh, then learned a few years later that Oliver had fallen on hard times. And again, being very altruistic, immediately went to the then Tottenham board and said, we've got to help this guy out. He's helped us. We've got to help him out. And again, echoing boards of many, many years later who have kind of not maybe done very, very nice things. The board were very, very reticent to do this, weren't they? Yes, they were. Um, uh, I think in their minds, they had, they had probably moved on from that era. Mm. Um, but I think one of Bobby's great characteristics was his great loyalty to people. Yeah. Um, he had lifelong friends um, and it's uh, at least part of the story of this book that the grandson of one of his lifelong friends is Christopher South. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, who wrote they, this book? Who yeah. wrote the book? They, um, yeah. uh, Christopher's grandfather grew up on White Hart Lane running the South Pottery, great friends with Bobby, uh, and that lasted a lifetime. And that um, loyalty was applied to Oliver. And Bobby was absolutely determined that something would be done to uh, to help him. Uh, the club refused to put their hand in their pocket, but they mm. organised a testimonial match. Yeah, but that probably didn't bring in the kind of money that um, Bobby was trying to uh, give back to uh, Oliver. And then he played his his his, his last game for Spurs. Bit of a shame, really, because obviously we won the cup the following year. Uh, played his last game for Spurs in 1900. And again, what I love about the book is that um, when he died, the picture virtually opposite his 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 bed was uh, a photo of, well, certainly the last photo um, of him playing for Tottenham, which obviously he held very dear to his heart. Yes, Um that picture is the only evidence that there ever was at his family home after he got married of his involvement with Spurs. Um, and it hung in his bedroom. Um, it, it's a fascinating picture. It was actually, uh, we're pretty sure, um, and we were put onto this by the late Andy Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, an old, um, old codger's game where people would turn up uh anybody that had played in the first team turn right. pick teams and play 10 minutes each way end of season oh, good fun stuff and it's interesting because in that picture um you've got ham casey who mm-hmm. who is almost certainly one of the people under the uh, under the lamppost mm-hmm. um you've got um uh, Tull, who was uh, a, a long-standing first-team player. Uh, and just as an example of how canny Bobby could be, also there is Brown, who was the um, high-scoring centre-forward mm-hmm. in the year that they won the Cup. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And what's lovely, I mean, you know, he played his last game and then, <clears throat> literally played his last game, and then left Tottenham, the area, is his home and then went all the way to Collier's Wood which I found was quite incongruous travelling so far away from, from Tottenham yes 
Um, and the, there is no clear, real explanation for that. Um, yeah. in, one of the things that I have wondered, and it, it may well be the case, um, he was the son of a coachman, mm. but he was ambitious, and he worked in the city. Um, he worked in a lawyer's office, so he would have probably seen himself as better than a coachman, socially. Um, right. If he stayed in Tottenham, he may well have always been regarded as son of a coachman. Right. Moved down to uh, Collier's Wood in South London, uh, mm. and he can be Mr Buckle, the solicitor's clerk. Yeah. Um, and he was able to uh, get a fairly decent-sized house there, um, and he had a fairly large family which filled it over the years. We had five children, I believe, in total. Eight. Eight, I beg your pardon, eight children. Wow, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, what's, you know, we mentioned leaving Tottenham, but they just mentioned that, you know, every Spurs fan knows Tottenham Hotspur is still the only non-league club to lift the FA Cup. Incredible achievement, which I don't think is talked enough, enough uh, even to this day. But what's lovely is that, Bobby is invited back. He's invited to the official dinner, I believe, somewhere in Holborn, where he gets up and gives a, a, a beautiful rousing speech. That was must have been uh, a, 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 amazing uh, for him uh, and also for the people listening. Uh, that you know, this this man who you know, eighteen years before, had founded this club, Tottenham now FA Cup winners. Must have been incredible. Oh, it, 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 it's almost beyond comprehension these days but um, in 1901 that was the first time that the FA Cup had come south. Oh, that's right that's right, um, it was this nor northern dominance in the early, yes. early days of um, football wasn't it? But in, in yeah. the space of those 19-20 um, years um, he had been at the forefront right in the midst of the development of the club which turned it from a bunch of schoolboys kicking a ball about to the leading club in the South, not just in London, in the South. Uh, yeah. And that's a remarkable achievement. And I think it's absolutely brilliant that the club invited him back to propose the toast to the players. And, of course, they did it again in 1921. Which, again, I mean, you know, we talked about moving to Collier's Wood, uh, you know, now as a bookkeeper at the same solicitor's firm selling life insurance to then go back 20 years later and be invited back after another famous victory uh, again for him who's you know moved away from Tottenham been away 20 years now to, to come back and do the same kind of toast and speech at another uh, celebration dinner must have been incredible for him and, and, and your entire family really yes um, but the extraordinary thing is that um, it was very little known within the family it oh really didn't seem to be a topic of conversation um, one of the amazing things is when we've been putting this book together, um, several of my cousins, um, Bobby's grandchildren, have come back to me and said, I had no idea he had done all this. Really? Everybody knew that he was uh, there at the beginning of Spurs, but they yeah. didn't know about him being secretary, uh, treasurer, um, going professional, um, setting up the limited company. Yeah. Uh, and he just sort of seemed to tuck it away slightly in the background. 
I suspect because there were more important things in his life, which is family and yeah, work. Absolutely, and work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing I, I mentioned there, the life assurance thing he's, he did, and, and I'm, I, I, I'm assuming that was successful for him. Because what I, I love again is that despite moving away from Tottenham and, and we mentioned this picture there, um, which probably looked at when he, he passed away in 1959. He had sort of, you as, as presumably one of the benefactors, he had gone about and bought quite a lot of property in and around Tottenham, which obviously through generations has been passed on to his children and grandchildren, thus keeping this incredible connection with Tottenham. Well, the um, uh, again, let's go back to how canny he was as a, uh, a business person. Um, a lot of those properties were actually leasehold. Right. Um, and he bought them on 99-year lease because they were essentially his pension. Mm-hmm. And he worked out that uh, they would provide an income for him and his wife after he died. She was a good bit younger than him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was a... a plain um, uh, uh, financial um, planning uh, process for him. Um, no, I don't think any of those properties are now um, in the possession of the family. Right. But um, I know where they are, and when I go to matches, I actually walk past some of the properties that he used to own. Really? Yeah. Oh, how lovely. Yes. That's amazing, and what I mean, you mentioned that your, you know, your cousins not knowing certain things. Let's move forward now. You know, since then, uh, you and your brothers and sisters have, you know, had children and, and, and grandchildren. What within the family has been passed on to generation to generation with with these stories? Well, um, uh, let's just say that first of all. Um, you don't get a choice as to which football club you're going to support. Quite right, Sue. <laughs> um, and um, I think we have all of us found, uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that um, when we have spoken to outsiders about what Bobby did, people's eyes just sort of half glaze over and then we used to get the comment, yeah, right. Oh, um, really? <laughs> because nobody had ever heard of him. He Incredible. wasn't highlighted in any particular way. Uh, yeah, he wasn't yeah. famous in his own right, as it were. Uh, and I think that's, again, one of the driving forces behind getting this book out there to um, mm. get his story recognised uh, so that when... Um, you stand in a room and somebody says, why do you support Spurs? Mm-hmm. And you say, my grandfather Bobby Buckle played for them. Yeah. They know yeah. who you're talking about now. But also there's such tangible things as well. The very fact that, um, uh, you know, as you said, the, you know, the original house he grew up is still there. The very fact that, you know, is one of Tottenham's benefactors that certainly helped his father Joseph Pedley, you know, the stuff that he built is still there. The fact you can still walk down that um, high road and sort of go, yep, that lamppost would have been there is incredible. You know, it's still a living history. The fact you said when you walk to the ground, you can see houses that he bought. That's the lovely thing about it. Even though we've got this 
billion pound stadium now in football is a completely different sport to, you know, back in 1883 when he scored the first known goal for Tottenham. There's incredible links still to the club to this day. Yes, um, you can still walk around and you can still identify the places that the uh, that uh, are linked to the club. Um, the marshes, obviously, they are much changed, but Northumberland Park, um, yes, his house in White Hart Lane, um, and all sorts of places in and around um, mm. Tottenham. And it just demonstrates that... Um, uh, and this is a, a bit of a favourite theme of mine, that this is a club which grew out of its community, yeah. uh, which was uh, adopted by its community to the extent that thousands of people came and watched this bunch of youngsters kicking a ball about. Um, and it is still very much rooted in its community. And you, you could um, uh, almost put a handkerchief over the places that have been Spurs' home grounds uh, mm. in, the, in the same area of London, um, and I you know, almost challenge any other club to uh, to have that. Uh, connection. Absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, and for the, for the listeners out there, again, if you're not a member of the, our Patreon site, Patreon.com/slash/SpursShow, sign up even just for a month. Listen to Pete Haynes' wonderful uh, stories, uh, walking tour of Tottenham, where he revisits. Some of the places we mentioned today, Northampton Park, key places in Tottenham's history. And you can literally retrace those steps as you listen to these shows on our Patreon site. Uh, site. Michael, it, it's been absolutely fascinating. I urge everyone to go out and buy the authorised biography of Bobby Buckle, Spurs founder and first captain, written by Christopher South. Uh, again, we mentioned at the, the top of the show about this blue plaque. Um, the book is there. Buying the book will, will no doubt help uh, this important campaign to to get that uh, blue plaque on that house. So when us generations are long gone, our, our, our future generations can still walk to the new ground and go, see that? That's where it all started. Uh, Michael, where can people go and buy the book? Well, the simplest thing is to visit the... Uh the Blue Plaque website, which unsurprisingly is bobbybuckle.co.uk. Bobby Buckle, all one word, buckle as in the shoe. Um, there you will find links to the online bookstore that we're using. Um, it's modestly priced at £10 plus postage and packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at, at any point where we actually make real money out of this, um, then we will be making donation to the uh, Tottenham Tribute Trust. Yeah. Um, also on the Bobby Buckle website, you will find a survey asking whether you would support the Blue Plaque application, um, and that's um, going to be a huge help to, to us all. And there are, we are also on social media yeah. at Bobby Buckle THFC if anybody would like to follow us. Wonderful. Well, we'll certainly put bobbybuckle.co.uk on the description of this podcast. Click on the link in the podcast, go straight to the website, buy the book, sign up, support uh, the Blue Plaque campaign, which we, and I know we, we talked about it a couple of years ago. Let, let's just get this happening now uh, as football changes 
changes year on year and becomes so much more expensive and so different. It's nice to know that Spurs continuing us fans as a fans community can still do really, really important things. Michael, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely fascinating. Congratulations on being part of this book, getting this book done uh, and, and, and written in and out there it really is a, a lovely lovely read you know for those of you just go you know maybe some of you i mean i literally read it in one sitting it's only 88 pages you literally read it in in one sitting uh it's the summer now perfect book to take on your summer holidays which probably will be at home um so michael <laughs> thank you so much for your time and hopefully uh we'll get you back on the show um hopefully next season sometime that that will be absolutely brilliant, and thank you very much for having me on, um, and thank you for allowing me to talk unhindered about my pet subject. A, a, a pleasure, and we really appreciate you you doing it. Thank you so much. So thank you so much, Michael. Okay, lovely. Cheers. Bye now. Thanks for listening at home. Uh, we'll be back, although it's pre-season. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with a show, a kind of update show of what's been going on behind the scenes still time to sign up and become a Spurs show season ticket holder we're starting again uh, lockdown permitting end of September with our monthly shows with Tottenham legends meet them up close and personal uh, it's literally 10 quid a month go to season.spurshow.net we mentioned the Patreon site really really does help support our Spurs show for bringing you these these shows for the last 13 13- in years now free every week go to patreon.com slash spurs show for the price less than a price of a cup of coffee a week you will get daily news shows uh interviews with ex-players and as i mentioned in that show wonderful documentaries on spurs that you simply won't hear anywhere else with eminent writers and and Tottenham experts. So go ahead and do that. Thanks for listening. We're looking forward to another season Uh, with Tottenham coming up. Until next week, come on, you Spurs. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.